0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, April 3rd, 2016. The share ID for Friday, April 1st, is 8621. That's 8621. This morning, A Vision for You presents From Below to Above. The big book was written as a set of directions for doing the steps. The promise of the step process is a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. When we finish step nine, we experience the promises. We have recovered. We are restored to sanity. The sunlight of the spirit deep down inside us is allowed to shine up, above, and through us. The only requirement is that we stay in fit spiritual condition. Step 10 allows us to identify and have removed the spiritual sludge produced daily by our self-will. Step 11, through prayer and meditation, allows us to receive God's will for us and the power to carry it out. Joining us this morning is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada, Nessa is enthusiastic to share about the 12-step design of living with us today. So I
1: welcome Nessa to the line. Good morning. Hi, good morning. This is Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I want to start by confessing that I am nervous, which, of course, is uh, selfish, self-seeking, and dishonest. Uh, because it's all about me and wanting to say the right things and make a, a, a good impression. And the fear stems from the fact that I am not a schmoozer. You know, If you go to a party and you always see a person uh, sitting by themselves, not talking to anyone, not knowing what to say, that would be me. So the thought of speaking about anything for 45 minutes to an hour um, terrifies me. You know, although my family laughs because they, they say I never have anything to say and I don't like to talk except when it comes to program and then I can talk for hours. I can, you know, I cannot stop. Um, and uh, of course, as a good segue to, to what we're going to talk about today, I've done a 10 step on this. So what I, what I want to talk about today is my views on uh, step 10 and 11 and how they are different. You know, they very often get confused in the rooms, and therefore they are not used properly or effective. Um, before I launched into, um, into the topic, I just want to give you a, new, a, 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 a small glimpse of my own journey of recovery. I came into um, OA on January 2nd of 2003. I was um, 70 pounds, at least 70 pounds, overweight um, and I say, at least because, after a certain point, I stopped weighing myself, so it 's possible that my my overweightedness was over seventy pounds, and I was demoralized, I was hopeless, I was out of ideas, like all of us on the line. I had tried anything I could think of and um, to control the food and the weight, and nothing really really worked and It was God who brought me into these rooms because I had never heard of OA. Nobody had ever mentioned it to me or any food addiction 12-step program. But I had heard of AA, um, even though I wasn't really sure what AA was. I never knew what 12 steps meant. Um, But one day I was just beside myself and I Googled um, Overeaters Anonymous, thinking if there's Alcoholics Anonymous, there must be Overeaters Anonymous. So, of course, there was and a bunch of uh, uh, meeting lists came up, and I looked for one near me, and lo and behold, there was a meeting in the building where my own kids were going to school. And the truth is, if the meeting had not been at that building, I may not have come in to the rooms of OA. So um, that's why I say that first God implanted the thought of Googling Overeaters Anonymous, and then he gave me the, the perfect venue for me to come in. So I came in, I did what I was told, I took a sponsor, I went to meetings, I wrote on a journal, I I read the daily readers every day, I had a checklist, I met with a checklist buddy once a week, Um, I I did all the tools, um, but I couldn't get abstinent or stay abstinent for very long once I got abstinent. Um, I did whatever I could think of to try to manipulate the process. I changed meetings, I changed sponsors many times, and for nine years I struggled inside the rooms of OA without any recovery, barely any physical recovery, and for sure there was nothing spiritual going on because I really didn't work the steps, um, never really understood the steps, the steps were not talked about much. Um, Even in the uh, meetings where um, the big book was read, what we did was read the book for 10 minutes and then go around the room sharing about what was happening in our lives. So the steps were never really studied in any way. None of my sponsors mentioned it, and um, my recovery wasn't there. Then finally, I met, I changed meetings one more time, um, and I met my current sponsor. Um, this is in about 2010. And I got a new uh, food plan, and the food plan alone got me some uh, weight loss. It was a a food plan where I weigh and measure my food, and I don't eat sugar, flour, sweeteners, caffeine. Um, But the most important thing was that my sponsor took me through the steps. She took me through the big book, and for the first time in my life, I started um, delving um, in earnest into the instructions in the big book, not reading it as a as a, as a nice little story or a philosophy book, but truly um, using the directions described in it. And finally, my recovery started in December of 2011. And by the grace of God now, I am in a normal-sized body, and I've been recovered for a little bit over, over four years. So um, I want to start the... Um, the discussion with, with a little um, analogy, a metaphor, um, having to do with riding a bike. So in step one, I realized that I cannot teach myself how to ride a bike because I cannot hold on to my own bike while trying to pedal and achieve any semblance of balance. So in step two, I realize I need to find somebody who's going to hold my bike. In step three, I make a decision to do whatever I need to do to learn to ride a bike. In steps four through nine, I get myself a bike, I find somebody to hold the bike, I start pedaling, wait till the person lets go, and I pedal and pedal and pedal uh, until I'm actually riding by myself. When I finish that, I am still uh, by, uh, riding a bike in a very wobbly way. I fall a few times, I get back on, and I try again, but I'm still very wobbly. Then, in step 10, um, steps 10 and 11, I practice. I practice and practice and practice and practice and practice until I get really good at it. And riding a bike now becomes my nature. In step 12, I go and teach somebody else to ride a bike. So that is a metaphor for the steps. In steps 1 through 9, I clean up the past and I learn how to use the steps. But it's in steps 10 and 11 and 12 that for me the real recovery lies. Um, So I want to start at the beginning of that recovery process, which is, Why do I need step 10? So I need step 10. The short answer is because life happens. Life happens. I become restless. And, you know, by the way, uh, at this point, um, I assume, it's presumed that I am abstinent. I have been abstinent uh, in order to work steps one through nine. So to get to this point, I am abstinent. Um, So I am abstinent and life happens. And I become restless, irritable, and discontented. And at this point, I have two solutions. You know, my customary solution for the past four and a half decades was to go and eat. But now that I have gone through steps one through nine, I have a new solution, which is using the spiritual principles um, that would solve all my problems. As it says um, in page uh, 42 at the bottom, um, and in this case, it would be to commence with step ten. Uh, I'm going to be quoting from the big book um, a little bit, so um, if you want to grab your big book and follow along, you you might want to do that now. The uh, the long answer as to why do I need step ten is that in my opinion, as I said before, this is where the true recovered state is, um, and I, I want to read, I want to read the promises of step ten, which are found in page. Uh, beginning in page 84, um, at the bottom. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. For by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recall from it as if from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That's the miracle of it. We are not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We had not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky, Nor are we afraid. That is our experience. This is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. Now, if this doesn't describe recovery, then I I really don't know what does. What this is um, describing is a personality change. Um, You know, and we talk a lot about a spiritual awakening, which is a change in our personality. So, to change our personality, what is our personality? Our personality is the way we think, we speak, and we act. To change the personality, we must change the way we think because it is through, it is, sorry, it is thought that, uh, that drives our emotions, that drives our, p- our speech, and our actions. Um, I don't know about you, but I practiced my thinking way of thinking for over four and a half ga- decades, and I, I was really, really good at it. Um, I cannot expect that after I go through steps one to nine once,
2: um,
1: that I will be magically be transformed. I have to practice what I learned. I have to practice a new way of thinking in order to be able to discard my old way of thinking. And it is in step 10 that I start practicing that way of thinking, and the more I practice it, the better I get at it, until that becomes my second nature replacing my stinking thinking. So I need to practice and practice and practice and practice until it becomes a working part of the mind. To me, that is very empowering. You know, my, my sponsor um, says to me always, when I have a problem, I am the problem. And so by learning a new way of thinking that makes me focus on myself instead of what others have done, then I can address the issues and you know what? Like that, that is my experience. Um, the circumstances in my life, which I used to think were the cause of my, my overeating, have changed but, li- by, but, but, but little since I first came in, and even since I first recovered. I mean, we still struggle financially. My husband and my kids still don't do what I want them to do, when I want them to do it, how I want them to do it. Um, I still live in a, in a small house. Um, but what has changed is my perspective. My perspective has changed 180 degrees so that my life has changed for the better. Um, you know, in the uh, appendix to, uh, uh, about the uh, spiritual experience, it says, um, it says here, he finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life. So it doesn't say life has changed. Life is the same. my life is the same as it was four years ago. My life is the same as it was 10 years ago. but my perspective to life has changed, and therefore, my reactions to life have changed. So um, now I want to read the uh, paragraph that describes what step 10 is. Um, it's also found on page 84, and I'm just um, sorry, I'm just going to it. Okay, so it says here, this thought brings us to step 10. Uh, and the thought that it refers to is the, the previous thought, which is about the, uh, the, the, prom- the step nine promises that says they will always materialize if we work for them. So this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. Then we resolutely return our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. So this paragraph tells me four main main, main points. Number one, um, if we work for them, right? This thought brings us to step 10. We ended up with saying they will always materialize if we work for them. It means that our work does not end with step nine. It actually means our work is just beginning, Um it says here um, uh, we continue to our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness, right, so the effectiveness of the process will only become evident the more I practice it, the better I get at it, the more it becomes my second nature, and that is through step ten. The second uh issue is we don't wait to finish step nine to begin step ten it says um we commence the way of this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So as soon as we start making amends in step nine, it's a good time to start working step ten. Then the third point is continue, 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 continue. It says it four times in one paragraph. And Bill was the, the, the one person who loved vocabulary and never used redundant words. He always found a way to refer to the same thing using different expressions, but here he's using the exact same expression four times. And so what this tells me is that um, continue means means to persist in an activity or process. This means that it is constant, it is ongoing, it is at all times. So that, for example, if my nose gets out of joint at 10 in the morning or at 3 in the afternoon, I don't wait until bedtime to clean it up. I mean, can you imagine? Do you know how much damage I can do to my relationships and to others uh, from 10 in the morning till 9 o'clock at night? I can't wait to clean it up. I have to do it right away. Um, this is actually one of the ways in which a lot of people mix up steps 10 and 11. Because 10, step 11 refers to one of the periods for prayer and meditation as uh, at bedtime when we retire at night. But we cannot wait. Till nighttime to clean up the uh, messes of the day it has to be done right away. Um, the uh, the 12 and 12 uh, on page 89 at the top um, is actually emphatic about this. It says um, the admission and correction of errors now. It's got to be now as it happens. Um, you know, it says here um, in the big book, we continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once, meaning in the moment, to remove them. And the fourth point is vigorously, meaning in all matters, big or small. Um, And I just want to use a a really cool example, something that happened recently. Um, A sponsee of mine called me with a step-ten turnaround. And what was her resentment? That she didn't have enough time or wasn't going to be able to get a manicure done, and she was very resentful. Now, I can imagine some people will roll their eyes at this, like how petty can this be, how insignificant and inconsequential, how could anybody like, have this kind of a resentment and do a step turnaround. Turn but this is the key. We have to use step 10 in everything. So even if something minuscule is upsetting us, I got to look at what the problem is. Remember, if I have a problem, no matter how big or small, I am the problem. And this was such an amazing eye-opener for me because it's not only um, fear or financial insecurity that I need to do a step 10. It's not only you know a fight with my husband that I have to do a step 10 on. But like, even if I cannot get my nails done, everything, and the more I use it, the better I get at it. The truth is, I most days I use step ten at least once, and there are days when I use it three, four, five times. I mean, when I wake up on the wrong side of the bed, and I'm predisposed to a negative uh, mind frame, a negative attitude that day, man, I gotta really be on my toes with step ten. And you know, there's lucky for me, there's no limit to how many Step 10s I can or should do in one day. is as many times as I need to, as many times as I require. So now I want to go into an illustration of how how I work Step 10. And um, in order to really work Step 10, we need to really work the previous step. And I'm going to use an example from my own life. Um, And it's a trivial example that I use often. And it's um, when I ask my boys to take out the garbage and they don't. And they take turns and this is sorry, my dog is now barking in the background, I apologize. Um and uh um this is something that happens that happens often and I've done many steps ten um on this and sometimes I still have to do a step ten. Now I just want to say that in the paragraph that we just read, it identifies steps ten step ten specifically with steps four through nine. However, when I do it, I like to start all the way back to step one because it helps me to identify what I am powerless over. Because I'm not only powerless over food, I'm also powerless over people, places, things, and situations. I cannot control other people, and I need to make sure that I know to my inner core that that is the case. I cannot make people do things that I want them to do. I cannot make them want to do them. And so that's why I start at step one. So here in this example, in step one, I am powerless over my boys. I am powerless over their values, about their priorities, about their attitudes, about how they choose their spend their time, whether it's a productive use or a non productive use. I am totally powerless and I need to recognize that. After recognizing that I I I turn to step two and I realize okay I have two solutions. I can go eat or I can choose God. Um, If I choose to eat, then I stop right there and, you know, I would call it quits and that's the end of it. However, um, if I am recovered, I'm going to choose God. And so the choice is I continue with the process of the steps. Then in step three, I make a decision to turn my will and my life over to God's care. So. I would say that when I made my very first Step 3 decision, I not only decided to work Steps 1 through 9. When I made that decision, I also made a commitment to live in Steps 10, 11, and 12. And this cannot be emphasized enough because I've seen so many sponsees and friends in program relapse. And one of the major causes is that they don't practice these steps like they are meant to be worked. You know, some people make excuses, I'm too tired, um, I don't have time, I'm too stressed out, you know, whatever it is. You know, my issues are not significant enough, blah, 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 blah. You know, but, you know, page 85, oh, I lost my page here in the middle. It says, "Um, it is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. So, you know, I finish steps one through nine, I'm done, I put the book on the shelf, I put the book on the shelf and I forget about it and I go on my merry life doing what I have been doing for the past four and a half decades and then I wonder why I'm back in the food. Um, So in step three, I make a commitment to live in steps 10, 11 and 12 after I complete steps one through nine. So in step Three you know I realize I'm not God, and there is a God, and I need to do everything um to make sure that I live uh, life in accordance to god's will, so I need to um so i need to so I need to stop playing God I need to stop playing God in my kids' lives um, I have to let go of my expectations that not only they will take out the garbage when I ask them. But that they'll be proactive and not even wait for me to ask. Now, how do I let go of that? I mean, I obviously um, whatever I tried in the past never really worked. So the answer is I go through steps four through nine. So for step four, um, I use a mixture uh, of the forms that were created by John Charlie um, and the form created by Lori C. But I have to uh, keep in mind one very very key point. Um, which is uh, in page 67, in the middle. It says, referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, we resolutely look for our own mistakes. So the key thing for me here is that right and wrong are irrelevant. You know, what is fair and unfair is irrelevant. The only thing that matters here is how did I put myself in the position to be hurt? Because in my example, sure, I am right that my kids should be responsible. They should take out the garbage. They should do their chores. And not only that, I shouldn't even have to ask them. But, you know, I have a choice. Am I going to be right or am I going to be happy? You know, justifiable anger can kill me, so I cannot even afford to go there. So I ask myself, how am I being selfish? Well, Personally, I don't like taking out the garbage. It is smelly, it is nasty, it is gross, okay? But I do want it out of my way immediately. So that's pretty selfish. I don't even consider what my kids might be doing. I mean, they might be doing homework, they might be going going into the bathroom, or they might be you know, fooling around, goofing off, killing time. No matter what they're doing, it's pretty selfish uh, uh, for me to want them to behave in a certain way because it's convenient for me. Then I'm also being dishonest. I tell myself they don 't respect me, um, I cannot have peace of mind when they neglect the responsibilities, etc. You know all those are lies because the truth is, I only need to rely on God and understand that whatever is happening is god 's will in order to have peace of mind i 'm also being fearful you know i 'm saying myself that we grow up to be responsible bombs um, You know, they're not going to amount to much. They're not going to be able to hold a job. I mean, and my mind just goes off in all these ridiculous, catastrophic directions. So why do I... Then I take a detour into page 68, um, dealing with fear, and I ask myself, why do I have this fear? I have it because self-reliance is failing me. I cannot control my, my kids. Remember that this is why I do step one as part of my step 10. I cannot make them Take the garbage out. I mean, I mean now they're, they're pretty big. They're bigger than me. So even physically, I cannot go grab them and bring them down to the kitchen and show them the garbage, and I can't do that. Self-reliance is failing me. So I ask God to, direct my, to remove my fears and direct my attention to what he would have me be. And this is the key. It is be and not do. My sponsor always says to me, too, uh, Neste, you're a human being, not a human doing. So God would have me be patient with them. He would have me be reasonable, you know, like maybe they'll take it out later when they're finished going to the bathroom or playing their video game or whatever. He would have me be trusting in him. He would have me be unconditionally loving and accepting of my kids. Then step five, I would say sometimes I give my step five to my sponsor and sometimes not. And what determines this is... um, a, if the, if the issue is, is big enough, if it's an issue that even though maybe small keeps getting me stuck all the time, I keep coming back to the same resentment, and that means I have likely missed something and I, didn't, I need an objective um, a view on it, um, or simply I'm just stuck. Uh, I have an issue and I, like, I cannot figure out for my life, how I'm being selfish. It's usually because I'm stuck in the but-I-am-right uh, perspective. But then I go to my sponsor. I, I don't, don't always give it away, but uh, a lot of times I do. Then in step six, um, uh, becoming entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. Joe and Charlie say that uh, we need to act as if. And this makes perfect sense to me because it demonstrates willingness How can I say that I'm entirely willing if I continue to indulge in the behaviors that get me into trouble? So um, all those things that I said God would have me be, I have to start acting as if I'm already patient, reasonable, trusting in God, unconditionally loving, etc. I have to act as if I'm not selfish. I have to act as if I'm not dishonest and not fearful. Then in step seven, I actually ask God, And then steps eight and nine, um, I make amends. So if I yelled at my kids, I apologize. Um, But more importantly, I resolve to change for the future. Because amend means to change. Amend doesn't mean to apologize. Apologize might be part of amends, but it's not the only uh, requirement. So I need to change, make sure that I don't lose it with my kids next time they don't take out the garbage. And sometimes I might even give them a break and take out the garbage myself as a way of, um, of finding restoration. And then one final point on step 10, and this is a very, very, very important point um, in, uh, in the step 10 process. At the bottom of page um, 84, it says, uh, then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. So an important word is then, then meaning right after finishing step 10. Um, And this is very crucial because um, focusing on someone else helps me let go of my little plans and designs and focus on being on service. Now, the big book literally says, um, turn our thoughts. So just merely thinking, well, maybe I'll go visit my elderly neighbor after work would technically fulfill this requirement. However, it's very important that I follow through, and that's why I prefer ideally not just thinking but actually doing something to help someone and in my In my opinion, preferably somebody in programme, so like making a phone call to someone who's struggling or calling a newcomer you know and all those things don't take a long time and The reason why I prefer action is because thoughts don't really help another person unless they materialize into action. And it's very easy to rationalize the lack of action, like, well, I really meant to visit my neighbor, my, my children come home from school earlier, or um, I ran out of time, blah, 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 and we can make a million excuses that make perfect sense. So that's why I preferred action um, over, over thought. I mean, thought leads to action, but it cannot stay there. Then um, I want to move now to... Um, to step 11 prayer and meditation so why do we need step 11 so in step 2 we identified the solution to our problem as finding a higher power who could restore us to sanity and the work that we have been doing so far has been to remove the blockages that prevented us from accessing that power and there are two blockages one is the food which we resolve when we put the, the, the food down and we um, become abstinent. And then the second block is ourselves, our selfishness, our self seeking, you know, our self centeredness, which we clean up as uh, we work steps one through nine and ensuring that the blockages don't, the, don't, don't recur um, through working step 10. Uh, so step 11 is the actual access to God. Um, prayer, for me, is when I talk to God, and meditation is when God talks to me. This is where I align my will with God because now I'm living a God-centered life, and I always have to remember that He is in charge, and my job here is to do His will and not pursue my self-interest, my little plans and designs. Now, the big book outlines three daily time frames for this, at bedtime, on awakening, throughout the day, and I'm just going to to address them shortly. I just wanna I just wanna say a couple of uh, uh, things before going into the actual um, step eleven. Um, when I pray, I need to keep in mind that God is not my employee waiting for my marching orders. Um, he is also not my sugar daddy who eagerly awaits. Giving me my reward when I am a good girl, you know. I I hear a lot of people saying, well, you know, I pray to God, but it doesn't, it's not any use. He's not listening, and that's not true. We think we think God is not listening when we don't get our way, and you know, like a like a like a parent who tells the kid, no, you cannot have ice cream right before dinner. You know, sometimes we pray to God and God says no, uh, because if he in his determination it is not good for us so just because our answers are not our prayers are not quote-unquote being answered to our satisfaction doesn't mean he is not listening and this is where meditation comes in you know if god is saying no to me there must be a reason now with regards to meditation i would say that i i had a very very hard time with meditate with the meditating part um before I learn about the instructions in the big book. And, and the reason is that I thought that meditation was only like sitting in a lotus position for a couple of hours humming. Or, you know, I once read this about a tennis player that before, like a famous tennis player, I can't even remember his name now, but um, he would sit for like half an hour or an hour before every match looking at a pencil and, and coming up with uh, all the characteristics of that pencil that he could think of in that period of time. Um, Um, now I also thought uh, meditation was counting how many breaths I could take in one hour and I really struggled with all that not only because of the length of the time involved but also the activities I just there was no way I could do that and I tried and tried and tried and I couldn't even do it for five minutes now I know that some people do successfully meditate this way and my hats are, are off to them but it was not for me but luckily for me The big book does tell me clear instructions on how to meditate. And I put together a form that helps me, um, guides me through the process in the morning and in the evening. And I compiled it. I didn't create it myself. It's not original to me. I compiled it from a number of different sources, primarily uh, a a consumable book put together by um, OA Region 7. Um, So you can... um, you can look up Region 7 and you'll find that journal. Or uh, if you uh, send me an email, I'm, I'm happy to email you what I, what I use. Um, so let's go into um, the instructions. And in page 86, it says, When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. So at night, I mentally review my day, what I did, what I thought, how I felt. But here, for me, the key word is to do it constructively, as it says, seeing what I can learn, how I can improve, and not destructively by beating myself up for everything that I did wrong. And then it asks me a bunch of questions. Um, Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, afraid? Do we owe an apology? Have I kept something to ourselves that we should be discussed with another person at once? Were we kind and loving towards all? What could he, we have done better? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time, you know, et cetera. And now you notice that that some of these questions bear a resemblance to Step 10. And this is one of the reasons why Steps 10 and 11 um, get confused, okay? Um, they think, oh, okay, I can do Step 10 at night. But no, this is, um, this is a... Um, um a way to get me to think to my day in a different way than I did it in step 10 okay step 10 is done as it happens the purpose of this review as part of step 11 is 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 a to catch anything that i may have missed throughout the day you know like we all have very busy days um and we may have missed something and or or not cleaned it up well or maybe we did clean it up and it's still lingering so we need to, uh, to clean it up before we go to bed. Um, and so that's why it's there, and I need to do it, I need to do it constructively. Uh, the key for this review, as it says um, a little bit um, further down the paragraph, is to inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So step 10 is to clean up the past, you know, what happened. Step 11 is to learn and to improve for the future. Um, then the next paragraph says, on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. We do this before we do anything else. Why? Because when I wake up, um, I don't know about you, but I was trained as a human doing, and I'm working really hard to be a human being. So when I, I still when I wake up, I wake up with a to-do list that is a mile long. But then I need to remember, refocus, that I am God's servant. My time is not my own. So even though I am planning what I'm going to do, including sleeping six to eight hours, that's why it says the 24 hours ahead, God's plan might be different for me. So what I do in my morning meditation is is I say, God, this is what I have planned. But if your plans are different, Please give me the willingness and the flexibility to redirect and go along with your plans. This is your day. I am just an agent. I need to let go of what I need and instead focus on what I am needed for. You know, if I'm entrenched in my plans, in ticking off things of my mile-long to-do list, I cannot do that. And I have this analogy that I share with all my friends in program, um, and it's the uh, the analogy of a tumbleweed uh, versus a salmon so a tumbleweed is is like a brush uh, in the desert that rolls around according to the wind if the wind moves left the tumbleweed goes left if the, if the wind moves right the tumbleweed moves right If the wind stops then the tumbleweed stops the tumbleweed doesn't have direction of its own it's all driven by the wind so in this analogy i am the tumbleweed And the wind is God's will for me. So I need to align my will to God's will and move accordingly. And when I do, the day just goes so much uh, smoothly, so remarkably peaceful. And even though I may not have finished everything I had on my to-do list, at the end of the day, I am contented and satisfied. The other alternative is I could be a salmon. You know, salmon um, swims back to its place of birth to, uh, to spawn, and they swim against the current. And they have to make a very vigorous, strenuous effort to overcome that, that current. And a lot of the salmon succumb. Like they, they die in the process of, of fighting the current. So I can be a salmon and um, fight God's will, And end up the day exhausted, angry, frustrated, totally drained, um, which is not very pleasant. So I can go throughout the day being a tumbleweed or being a salmon. And doing the meditation in the morning helps me um, uh, ground myself in that. It's like, you know, God, give me the willingness to be your tumbleweed instead of a salmon uh, fighting against you. Because... You know, this is very important. If I go back to the illusion of self-sufficiency, you know, that I can do it my way and whatever I want is the most important thing and bulldoze my way through the day and through the lives of others, I will become blocked from God once more and I will inevitably relapse and I definitely don't want to go back to what my, my life was five years, ten years ago because not only I was miserable, crazy, and insane as well as fat, so were the people around me? Well, maybe not all of them were fat, but definitely they all were miserable when I was miserable. Now the third time, the third time frame for our prayer meditation is throughout the day. Um, in page eighty seven at the bottom, it says, "As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought of or action." Um, This is part of being a tumbleweed. You know, when I do this, things work out. Um, And then I get what happens at the bottom of page 50. Um, Page 50 contains to me what is probably the most beautiful promise um, in the whole big book. Um, You know, we started a a face-to-face meeting um, here in Toronto pattern-like a vision for you. And uh we just went we just went through uh, we just sorry can we just went through um we just went through this paragraph sorry I just my son just came into the room. And after it describes the process of going through the steps uh in this paragraph at the bottom that starts with here are thousands of men and women, etc um the promise uh follows Uh, I guess maybe I'm just going to read the whole paragraph. It says, They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude towards that power, which is steps 1 through 2 and 3, and do certain simple things, steps 4 through 9, there has been a revolutionary change in in their way of living and thinking, steps 10 through 12. And here's the promise. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. I mean, this is, this is what life is about. And it doesn't say that in the face of a perfect life. It says in the face of collapse and despair, meaning when I'm being faced with challenges, when I am going through unpleasant and even painful situations you know i'm well, if i 'm well grounded in god i 'm going to be okay and It says this has happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements, and that 's going through the steps um, and this has definitely definitely been my 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 experience um, and now i I just i want to conclude. I want to conclude with a couple of thoughts. You know, the first one is um, um, in page 164, which we read um, every day at the end of the meeting, it says, um, Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. Um, So you see, we end step 10 by resolutely turning our thoughts on someone we can help. And we end step 11 in the morning by doing the same thing uh, because by practicing these principles, we achieve a real purpose. And our real purpose, um, as it says in page 77, is our real purpose is to fit ourselves, to be of maximum service to God and to others. You know, there is no point in going through all this work and all these steps if we are still at the center of our existence. You know, the whole purpose here is to be of service to God and others. If we are not, if that's not our focus, then we are truly not recovered. Um, Then the, the other thought is that step 11 follows step 10, and it's for a reason. First, we need to act from below, and then we need to pray to above, we need to take action, and then we let God take care of the outcome. Oftentimes, I hear, "Well, I have this, I have this, pro, I have this problem, um, so I'm just gonna pray to God about it." Or, "My nose is out of joint. I'm feeling out of sorts. I'm just gonna pray, um, pray to God about it." And the answer is no. Don't pray to God first. Do a step ten, mm-hmm. then pray to God um, and on that note I'm going to end and I reiterate that I would be very happy to share the forms that I have compiled on both um, steps 10 and 11 to whoever wants them um, you just have to email me at n roitman r as in Robert o i t m a n n roitman at protectionplus.ca and I will forward them um, right right back to you And I want to thank you. It's been a great honor and a privilege to spend this morning with all of you, and I pass.
0: Thank you very much, Nessa, for this informative, thorough, and very insightful presentation that you offered us this morning. Nessa's contact information will be offered at the conclusion of this uh, recording, so stay tuned for all that contact information. And now we're going to transition for uh, questions that you might have on your minds. You can direct your questions to Nessa by pressing star one to unmute and identify yourself, please. This is Marla. Marla. Suji. 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 Okay. <clears throat> Who else? Shana K. K. Ali- uh, I didn't catch either of those names.
3: Aliza Tara. B., Jeffrey.
0: Jeffrey. Aliza B., Aliza B., thank you. And who else? Revital. Revital. Okay, let's stop there. This, uh,
3: this is Jeff.
0: Hi, Jeff. Okay, so let's stop with Jeff at this uh, for this group. Please, when you uh, announce yourself, if you could include the first letter of your last name, that's always helpful. Marla, go ahead.
3: Hey, thank you.
4: Um, Nessa, thank you so much. I only caught half of the ending of your presentation, but um, I'm Marla S., like um, Sam, from uh, Iowa, and my question is about what you were saying about your kids and taking out the garbage. I thought that was fantastic. Um, so... My question is, I, I have two teens, and basically my confusion with them is, I know I'm supposed to uh, let go of things and not, you know, try to be selfish, self-seeking, but I also, as a parent of minors, uh, I still struggle with how I'm supposed to teach them about responsibility and things like that. So I know I'm pushing my will on them, but are there times like how do you how do you negotiate when you as a parent still have the kids right from wrong or have consequences for them when they don't do things that they're supposed to do without getting into resentments and all that, I, I know I need to keep my side of the street, but I also know that I can't just let my kids go around the world doing everything and anything they want to either. So as a parent, how do you sort that
0: out? And I will pass. Nessa, before you respond, let me request that everybody remain muted, please, uh, and we'll give you a few seconds to unmute before I call your name for questions, so please add a respect for this recording. Thank you. Go ahead,
1: Nessa. Okay, so um, thank you, Marla, for your question. I want to uh, – sorry, one second. I'm on the phone. <laughs> sorry. my my. Uh, I have three teenagers, and one of them just came into the room. Um oblivious to the fact that I'm on the phone. Um, so um, so, let me just first say, I'm not a parenting expert. Um, never trained as one. My only experience is that of a of a parent and uh, a twelve step recovered person. I have three teenagers. Um, and you know, to me, the question is, what is the difference between educating My children, which is my responsibility, and controlling their lives and behaviors. And my sponsor told me the difference to this. And, you know, it is my responsibility to educate my children, but, you know, before I open my mouth to them, I need to examine what are my motives. Why am I doing things? You know, am I angry because they're not doing something that I think should be doing? And if so, that means... It's not about educating my children. It is about me and my selfishness, right, because as has been shared in the line numerous times, the definition of um, resentment, anger, and fear, resentment is not getting our way in the past, anger is not getting our way in the present, and fear is not getting our way in the future. So if I'm angry, it's because I'm not getting my way, because I'm being inconvenienced. If I'm angry because my kids are not taking out the garbage, it's because what I want isn't happening. It has nothing to do with training them, educating them to be responsible adults for the future. Uh, so if I am angry and out of joint, then that's, you know, that's that's a red flag to me and it tells me, Unessa, you better go and do a step 10 before you say anything about the garbage to your kids. Now, if If it's truly about education, then I'm going to be able to discern what battles do I pick, what battles I don't pick, you know, what limits do I impose, what limits I don't impose. And I'm going to be able to do it in a calm way as if I was doing it to somebody else's kids. I mean, if my neighbor's uh, kids don't take out the garbage, I'm not going to be angry, you know, um, so if I'm dealing with my kids like I would be dealing with them, then I am truly like a teacher would deal with his pupils. Then, then I'm truly, then I'm truly doing, um, doing it for them and their benefit. But if I am angry and spon- and and and, and uh, stomping around, and yelling and whatever, going on a rant. Then it's not about them; it's about me, and I have to know um, that from the very beginning. I-, I hope that that answers your question.
0: Thank you, Marla. Sue G, your turn. Yes, um, thank you. So you do. Have-
5: Hi, this is Sue G. Thanks a lot, Nessa. Um, I forgot my question, but one of my questions is: Would you repeat your email address, please?
1: Absolutely, N. As in Nancy, R as in Robert, O, I, T, as in Thomas, M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, at protection plus, all one word, dot CA, not com, dot CA for Canada.
5: Protection, protection what?
1: Plus, P L U S
5: all in word okay that that what .ca C-A. C-A. I i was thinking of california okay and my question is um we're supposed to, we're supposed to be a tumbleweed and not a uh, not a salmon what are when you started talking about that first of all you said we were something before you mentioned that that be a tumbleweed do you remember that?
1: Yeah. Um, um, I don't exactly remember exactly what I was saying, but the point was that I am here to do God's will. I am God's servant. So um, I'm here to do his will, uh, not him do my will. He's not my employee. I am his servant. I'm ah, here to serve it. him and help others.
5: Okay. Thank you very much. Wonderful, just absolutely wonderful uh full take on actually all the steps, but especially ten and eleven. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Suji. Thank you. Shoshana Kay. You're up.
6: Hi, thank you so much for your service. Thank you, everyone. Nessa, it was beautiful and clear and I appreciate it and we all do. And I have a question just um I'm up to step nine now with my sponsor and I'm so grateful and I'm so excited to get you know, ready to do step 10s on a daily basis when they come up, I just wanted to know what it looks like for you. Like, uh, practically speaking, like, do you keep a form with you that you were describing about Joe and Charlie's form? Like, do you, um, like, let's say something comes up at a supermarket or at work or when you're out of the house and you need to do a step 10. Like, how do you practically carry that step out during your day?
1: Thank you, Shoshana. That is an, uh, that's a very very good question. I, I should have uh, covered that in my presentation, so it's a good time to to cover it now. Um, it was a friend of mine who said, Nessa, would you put something together for me to guide me? So so I did, and uh, um, you know I, I did used to carry it. Um, I not like a physical paper, but I had it in my in my smartphone. Um, and thank God for smartphones. Um, and so I, I would go through it uh, in my smartphone. But the beauty of, of the human mind is that the more we do something, the more it becomes a working part of the mind until I totally memorized it. Now, sometimes I still, and I used to do it in writing, I would say, sometimes I still do something in writing, whether it's something that is more complex, uh, something new, or something heavy-duty, I still do it in writing, Um, A lot of the times I just go through the form in my head, and I talk to myself. And sometimes I am actually, because I've been practicing this for a long time now, I mean, although three years of my life or whatever, three and a half years of my life don't compare to the four and a half decades that I was practicing the other way of thinking, but I practice it enough that I can sometimes just even short-circuit and talk to myself like... You know, when I'm in the supermarket line and somebody shows up to the eight items or or less um, line with ten items, which is something that used to really get my goat, uh, I can just say, you know what, Neste, you're being selfish. You're selfish because you think that your time is more important than everybody else's. You think that everybody else is not in a hurry, and you are. And you know what? Uh, This is God's will, and and just, just sit with it. So, I can just talk to myself and talk my like short circuit the process and go go straight to to the point, and I say, "You know what, God, you know, take oh, no. away my selfishness and and just help me help me write this out, help me write this out, you know, focus to somebody I can help I have my 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 handy smartphone, I can make a phone call to somebody in program while I wait for that person to put her ten items through and, and go to it. So I use a mixture. Sometimes I do it in writing, um, using the form. Sometimes I do it in my head, uh, using the form in my head, and sometimes I just, I just do a quick uh, thing where I just talk myself through it. And I literally do talk to myself, although if I'm in the supermarket, I don't talk to myself out loud because I think oh, people will start you know, moving away from me. So um, I hope that answers your question.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you, Shoshana Kay. Please, a reminder to stay muted so we can have a quiet recording. Thank you. Unless you are speaking, even if you're waiting in line to ask a question, please mute yourself. There's a lot of background noise going on. Aliza B., please. Your turn.
3: Hello? You can yes. hear me? Okay, yes. Okay, great. Hi, this is Elizabeth Ness. I want to thank you so much. I, I'm i just so grateful for all of the people that have recovery before me to teach me how to do these things. And I'm um, someone who's been in program for like 11 years, but just recently in February started doing the steps in the um, listening with a Vision for You sponsor and going through the Joe and Charlie tapes, which has been amazing for me, and I just took my step three um and I've begun working on my step four now, so just so you know where I am, I'm not quite in the, i'm not I'm not quite at ten eleven but i have oh but I do feel like having taken step three, that I am trying to practice and get used to asking God to be in my day all day and direct my will. Um, so I know I haven't done all the work to clear the passage yet, but the thing that always confused me the most that I wanted to hear more practical, um, advice from you too, or practical suggestions of how you work it is I'm pretty good about my prayer and meditation in the morning, which I do now. And when I have time, I can do that. But it's throughout the day that I often see that I'm waiting too long um, and then I'm already in a pickle <laughs> before, and then when I stop and pray and meditate, I'm kind of like, okay, God, quick, fix me. You know, I'm in a bad place. What do I do? And I definitely know that that's not the right um, way to be approaching this situation. I just can't seem to catch myself earlier early enough. So I was wondering if you had anything to say about that, and maybe you could give some practical advice about how actually – what i could do to stop during the day i mean sometimes i'm just standing there in a minute and do it but i at this point i feel sometimes like i need to go be alone for 10 minutes to get centered or something and ask what i should do because i i don't have the working part of the mind yet and it's it's painful i'm like in kind of like a. I i think as you're working through the steps and you have some clarity but you haven't done all the work yet it's a little bit painful to be like waiting to get there so i'm trying to go as fast as i can but anyway that's that's what i wanted to ask you thanks
1: yeah um thank you aliza Um,
3: hold
1: on
0: nessa is that your background noise nessa
1: Nessa. uh, i don't think so
0: okay i'm going to mute the line and that means you'll need to press star one to unmute once again okay all right Hi, am I back? Yes,
1: thanks. Okay, great. So um, I think you, uh, Melissa, you answered your your own questions, uh, your question with with what you were, oh, there's a beep. Am I still being heard? Yes. Okay. Um, While you're still being heard, um, part of the the obstacle in in developing the pause, uh, as we go throughout the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. The purpose of that pause is to check in with God. Uh, do a step ten as necessary, etc. Part of the, the the blockage here is that obviously you're not you're not recovered. You haven't gone through the process. So you are still blocked from God, and and that's why it's it's so difficult to to short circuit the self-centeredness to to redirect towards God-centeredness. Um, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't persevere. I mean, I don't dissuade anybody from praying and meditating. While going through the steps, um, it's just that our expectations of the results have to be realistic, in that in the recognition that we are still blocked from God and we have no access. So step eleven is really the access to God, how we talk to God and how we listen to God. Um, so um, I don't discourage you, continue, but be realistic that the results are are not going to materialize um, until until you get there, uh, which um, another point I want to make is to give you impetus to go through the steps as quickly as possible. You know, the big book talks about uh, in the uh, Spiritual Awakening Appendix um, a, a period of a couple of months, but some people have done it a lot sooner than that. It's a, what often takes place in a few months um, at the bottom of uh, of the page, um, so you can you can be at step ten and eleven very quickly so so don't uh, don't tarry now in terms of my um what I did for me to develop that pause, and I would say I'm not perfect a lot of times I still run through the day in self will um you know barely pausing um you know this is where it comes to reclaim spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection, so my pauses are not perfect, my days aren't perfect. And some days I do it more than others. But what I did is I actually, again, with the smartphone, and my family is making faces at me now because I actually I am an enemy of smartphones, uh, and they cannot believe I'm singing its praises so much uh, right now. But I program into my, my phone, into my calendar, the, um, um, something that says um, pause every hour. Um, and it forces me to, to pause and, and check in until um, I get to a place where I am truly God-centered and then um, it becomes a working part of the mind. So so persevere, but more importantly, work through steps uh, one through nine as quickly as you can and then practice, 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 steps 10 and 11 and you'll get there. And I pass.
0: Thank you, Elisa B. Revital, you're turn star one to unmute
2: hi um just a note of gratitude such gratitude um this so reinforces what my sponsor is teaching me right now as i work through the fourth step you know i went from a lot of raw emotions and i use raw resentments over the past and anger in the present and worries about the future you know and once i put the food down i was able to stop being lazy or crazy one of the two extremes and I'm able to deal with these raw emotions she's shown me such a simple simple and deeply effective way and as I hear about I hear about how accessible and quick and peaceful doing the work of the 10th and 11th uh, and even 12th steps can be. It's, it's strenuous, but I i, I just want to thank you, Nessa, because it gives me hope, a lot of hope, motivation, and enthusiasm for the future. And I'm so grateful that we have this meeting in Toronto. I'm so grateful for your talk today. It's taken me to a whole other level of thinking. Thank you for your service.
1: Thank you, Rabbi Tal, you, Rabbi Tal. Uh, a, a, fellow, a fellow from... Uh, from Toronto, it's so uh, nice to uh, to hear you on the line.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Let's utilize this time please for questions and we'll go to Jeff. Thank you. Jeff star one to unmute.
2: Hi, can you hear me?
0: Yes. Questions please.
2: Um. So I, I hope it's okay for me to ask this because the question is not directed uh, towards our speaker, um, is this meeting a uh, speaker meeting only, or is this this Sunday morning meeting back in the United States uh, a regular format meeting as well? That's all I wanted to ask.
0: Well, welcome, Jeff. I'm, I'm you. assuming you're new. Uh, a vision for you actually meets Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern time, and we're dedicated to the close study of the program of recovery contained in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. We we lovingly refer to it as a big book. On Sundays, we offer special edition meetings, which is what you're listening to now. Special edition meetings are focused presentations given by recovered compulsive overeaters. And I'll offer more information on all that at the conclusion of this recording.
3: Okay. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you and welcome, Jeff. All right, any other questions for our speaker this morning? Carolyn S.H.? Carolyn S.H. Hold on one second. Who else? Janie (laughs) S. Janie S. Anyone else? Karen S. Karen S. This is the final invitation for questions, so... Amy G. Amy G. Anyone else? Okay, I'll take that as a no, please. uh, Sherry R. I didn't catch your name. Sherry R. Sherry R. Okay. And just a reminder to please stay muted unless you're speaking. Thank you so much, Carolyn, S. S. H. go ahead. Yes,
4: good morning. Uh, this is Carolyn S.H. in Massachusetts. Hi, Nessa. Um, thank you so much for that beautiful, clear, helpful presentation. You made very clear um, that once you've begun Step 9, um, you should immediately start working step, um, step 10, and I believe you also said Step 11, Daily, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are about when to start working step 12, Um, especially if and when the amends list has kind of very long term amends in it. it, it might take a while to complete step nine.
1: It's a very excellent question. Thank you, um, Carolyn SH, and good morning to you. Um, I just want to um, clarify uh, something. I don't, um, I don't say that um, we have to start working step ten as we start making our amends. The big book says that, right? We commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So just to clarify that, um, with regards to step twelve, you know, carrying the message. The uh, 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 vision for you reading, uh, page 164, um, says very clearly, um, um, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. So uh, in step 12, what we are transmitting is recovery uh, and the process to get there. So I think that in order to uh, transmit recovery, we have to be recovered and that 's an assessment I guess each individual person has to make on their own, perhaps with the counsel of their sponsor, because if we start sponsoring before we are recovered, the message that we 're going to be transmitting it 's not a message of recovery, and that 's really all that i can I can say about that. Um, you know I know that there's like schools of thought that people think, well, if you know an A, you teach an A. You don't wait till you um, know the whole alphabet to teach the A. Um, But I personally did not start sponsoring until I felt that I was recovered and discussed it with my sponsor and decided, yes, it's time to start sponsoring. So, So that's the only thing I have to say about that. I hope that helps.
0: Thank you, Carolyn. S.H., Jamie S. Hi,
4: can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. Okay, hi, everybody. This is Jamie S., and I have been in the program for years, but not with um, continuous recovery. Um, And, Nessa, you just really spoke to me this morning. Um, I am looking for a sponsor. I I just – gave your email twice, but I do have a newborn baby who, of course, is crying at the moment and I didn't get it. I'm just wondering, because um, I didn't find you in the member, membership, you know, for numbers and everything. Do you mind giving
1: me your email and or phone number again? Uh, sure. Uh, my contact information is going to be um, shared in a little while, but my... Uh, oh, okay. My, and it's on my- the recording. Oh, and it will be on the recording too. Yes, it is on the
0: recording twice. But I would say
1: in terms of finding a sponsor, um, these are my recommendations. Number one, um, at this meeting uh, during the week towards the end of the second hour, uh, and I I rarely can stay for the the second hour because my sponsors call me between 8 and 9, so I don't know exactly what time. There is a time when they announce available sponsors, so listen to that and call them. Um, And also call people whom um, you like what they share, whom you see something that you want, and ask them if they're available. And if they're not available, ask them if they know somebody uh, they they can refer you to that might be available. You know, like it's like like the old uh, networking cliche, you know, just call people until you find the right person. Okay.
0: Thank you, Janie S. Karen S., your turn for a question, please
6: morning, Nessa. Thanks so much for your presentation um
2: Karen in Michigan you toward the end of your talk, you named three um things that you said were often repeated, and i um I started to write them down and realized I had confused. It had anything to do with past, present, and future. would you just repeat that if you if you
1: can
4: please. yes
1: um so Um, These are the the definitions of resentment, anger, and fear. Um, They're all forms of selfishness because resentment is not getting my way in the past. Anger is not getting my way in the present. And fear is not getting my way in the future. And, of course, not getting my way is selfishness or wanting to get our way is selfishness. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. you S. Amy G., your turn. Good morning. My
4: name is Amy G., recovery compulsory reader from Maryland. Thank you, Nessa, so much for your lead. Really, really appreciate it. Um, I have a question. Uh, you have a sponsee, and they've gone through the steps, and you're in 10, 11, and 12, and you're running into a repetitive issue where the 10th step is happening again and again, maybe different circumstances, same shortcomings, same character defects. What would be your recommendation in dealing with the sponsee in that situation, or could you elaborate on that a little bit on how you would handle that scenario? And I'll mute. Thank you.
1: Um, yeah, you know, like this is like a, a question that I, uh, or an experience that I that I, I get often, not only with sponsees but with myself. And I use the analogy of a, of a, of a baking pan that has all the grime caked on. Um, so sometimes issues recur either because we 've missed something or because that grime is so caked on that it takes many passes with of elbow grease to actually remove that grime. You know I may have to go at it with a scouring pad once and twice and three times, and every time i 'm able to take a little bit more off, but never quite 100% off to make it look like it did when I bought it. Uh, so I have to go at it many, many times. So so the number one thing is persistence. You know, if you, if you have to make, if you have to do 10-step-tens, 10 100-step-tens, a million-step-tens on this issue, that's what you do. You know, you don't give up and, and, and say, okay, what's the use? You just have to keep doing it because, you know, the... the um, our job is to do the work, and God's job is to take care of the outcome. Now, having said that, um, it is possible that we we miss something, like in step in step uh, four. You know, how are we being selfish, or how are we being dishonest? How are we are we being self-seeking? Um, it is also possible that maybe the problem is in step six. You know, maybe we are not entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character because. You know, we, we are holding on to those behaviors, you know, and it takes a lot of mental exertion. Like this is a program of mental exertion. Like we've got to be focused and we've got to be present all the time because if we're going on autopilot, I'm, I'm going to speak my, for myself, if I'm going on autopilot, I am going to be indulging in the behaviors that are my knee-jerk reaction, you know, the behavior that I've done for 45 years so i really need to catch myself and i actually talk to myself my sponsor taught me this and i and i pass it on to my sponsees if they care to avail themselves of the same advice is i talk to myself um you know as soon as i catch myself in the in the behavior i say you know nessa you're being selfish you know you're being inconsiderate you want other people to go out of their comfort zone so you can stay in your comfort zone but, you know, the issue with Step 6 is that people think, oh, you know what, like it's it's one paragraph in the big book, and that means God does all the work. But the truth is that, you know, I somebody mentioned the Joe and Charlie tapes, um, and I listen to them over and over and over again, and this is very clear in those tapes. Um, and I don't know if it's an outside issue, so I'm not going to belabor that. But, um, you know, they say we have to act as if which requires that we be aware and present, and it requires a lot of mental exertion. And I find that a lot of people would rather run a 100-mile marathon than mentally exert themselves, and there's just no replacement for that. Um, I don't know that I've given you the the answer, but this is just my, my view and how I approach it, so I hope it helps. Thank you, Amy G.,
0: And our final question this morning comes from Sherry R.
6: Hi, this is Sherry, a compulsive overeater. And uh, thanks so much for sharing. And I guess uh, part of the question that I have is exactly what you were just referring to, um, that I have a a resentment about something. And you had talked about with your sons, this resentment, resentment reoccurs and reoccurs and, oh, and, um, I've been willing to go to outside help for it and other outside programs, um, for it and, um, and I, uh, anyways, I just wanted to know if you have any experience, strength, and hope on, um, a character defect that keeps coming up, keeps coming up, and um, I don't know, I, I, don't, I hope that's
1: not too vague.
6: Um, um, but
1: it, is, it isn't vague at all. Oh, sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Oh, oh please, that's enough for me. Okay, so it isn't vague at all. Um, the reason why a character defect keeps coming up is because God hasn't removed it, right? In step seven, we ask him humbly to remove our shortcomings, but it doesn't mean that he's going to take them away as soon as we ask. Um, how and when that will happen, I, I really don't know. You know, God makes his own determinations based on what we need for our own um, growth. And so character defects will keep coming up. Some of them get removed. Some of them don't get removed. Some of them get removed and then um, reappear and and that's the only answer that i that I have for that is that it's God's will that it still be there um, but what we can do about it is uh persisting and um I said that um in my answer to other questions, you know, just persist in step ten take it to your sponsor, maybe take it to somebody else in program who is recovered for, for a different perspective. I mean, um, sponsors are great and they have a lot of experience, but sponsors are, are human. Um, so, you know, sometimes getting the, uh, the perspective of another recovered individual uh, will highlight something that was missed um, by, by, by others. But the more important thing is just persistence. Keep doing it. If it takes a hundred times, a million times, Keep doing it, and when you see the character defect um, come up, remember to act as if and say, you know, Nessa, there you go again. You know, stop counting how many items are in the basket of the person in front of you in the line of eight items or less. Don't count the items. You know, as as many times as it takes, just keep doing it. Thank I, you. I hope that helps.
0: Thank you, Sherry R. Thanks to everybody who asked questions this morning. And, of course, thank you, Nessa, for such an interesting and uh, informative presentation this morning. I'm going to close from page 164 in our big book. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us.